0: Hi, everybody. Andy here. Just before we start this week's show, wanted to let you know we have a very special guest on. Uh, This week, Anna is away. Very sadly, she's on her holidays. But the great news is that in her place, we have the absolutely magnificent Rachel Paris. Now, I'm sure you may have heard of Rachel. If you haven't, Frankly, where have you been, guys? Uh, She's a comedian, she's a musician, she's an actor, an improviser, she does it all. She has been on so many brilliant shows, and she is a musical comedian as well. She tours the country with a grand piano, performing magnificently funny solo shows. She's basically the heir to Tom Lehrer and Tim Minchin put together. And on top of it all, she has just published her first book. It's called Advice from Strangers, and it's a kind of comedy book slash memoir slash feminist manifesto manifesto all centred around the time that she travelled around the country asking her audiences to give her pieces of advice. It's funny, it's serious, it's hilarious, it's uplifting, and we're so glad that she could come on the show because as you're about to hear, she was absolutely great. So that's it. Without further ado, on with the show.
1: And welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I am sitting here with Andrew Hunter Murray, James Harkin, and it's our very special guest, Rachel Paris. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, and that is Rachel.
2: My fact is that Liszt, the composer, played the piano so hard in his concerts that he regularly broke piano strings and superfans would nick those strings and make bracelets out of them.
0: Oh, So cool. So, cool. I, I've, so I don't play the piano... Uh-huh. But it feels like that's quite a hard thing to do to break yeah. a string. It's yeah. to break a break
2: yeah. of a
3: guitar string, right? Yeah. That's right. Not that hard, But piano string—it's wow.
2: rare. Piano it's string rare. Is very rare. <laughs> He's not the only person to ever do that. But I think that I think that it happened to him all the time. <laughs> that was like his thing. Is I'm going to break these. Why strings Why was he so angry? I don't know. Maybe he just had like really heavy hands or something. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there were there were comments that he had massive hands, yeah. um, which allowed for him to stretch. A lot of piano players say that that's not actually a thing. There was certain no, there were certain patterns that he would play that a big hand doesn't necessarily uh, make. Yeah, you. we actually
3: oh, have yeah.
2: plastic
1: casts of his hands, so we know exactly how do, big they you, were. When yeah. you say
3: we, do you mean in your home? Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and my wife. And yeah. Here they are. And they're,
2: here, they're here tonight. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we find that his fingers were slender and long, but they weren't like massive. Long, Like, I think Rachmaninoff had really big hands. Yeah. Maninoff
2: had 12 inches. What? And his hands? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I measured mine. Mine's a nine-inch span, because I've oh, wow. got small hands, but a big stretch. Big span. Yeah. But, yeah, when you measure 12 inches out on a ruler, that's insane. Yeah. So Rachmaninoff was known for having, like, absurdly big hands, and you can only play Rachmaninoff pieces if you've got those... Giant hands. You can fake it a bit, mm-hmm. but you have to do some very clever manoeuvring.
0: If Rachmaninoff was alive today, yeah. and if he... If he did that mime, you know, when you
3: mime a phone yeah. with your two opposite, your thumb and your little finger. yeah, yeah. He, he would hitch the top of his head
1: with his thumb. He'd knock he... his hat off. <laughs> he could only mime a, a car yeah. phone from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this whole thing of him banging on the piano, he yeah. was a passionate, amazing player and that was kind of his thing. He was like or a list. rock and roll. List. list. Sorry, right, yeah, right, he was right. like yeah, rock and roll, wasn't he, List? Yeah. But fortunately, if he did smash up a piano, he always had two pianos on stage with him. <laughs> yes, That's such a cool idea and I'm not sure if it was necessarily because he knew he was going to smash up a piano. It's because he was such a showman that he wanted to give both sides oh, of his yeah. face, basically, to the audience. Yeah. So There's he didn't have else. a
3: roadie bringing on the piano when he broke his, like, think, dragging it along. I think but, he would drag it out. Really? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like oh it's, it's, I read
0: an account of a gig where he... He, he dragged the second piano out. And I think if, if you were an audience member and there was a second piano, you would be slightly disappointed if it didn't come into play. Yeah. You'd yeah. think he hadn't given it his all. It's like yeah. Chekhov's piano, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and he had these like beautiful flowing locks of hair, oh, oh. which made him very popular. So he really had the whole like Elvis, you know, someone coined the term <laughs> Listermania, yeah. that people were absolutely obsessed with him the way they are sort of today about pop stars, but he actually had the talent to, yeah. <laughs> to earn it. But yeah, people would ask for locks of his... His
1: hair yes and they would collect his cigarette butts and oh, yes. they would wear them in the chains on their necklaces with his initials yeah. sort of carved yeah. in. there's an account of one lady doing yeah, that yeah, i don't yeah, know
0: exactly. how widespread it was <laughs> yeah. but there is it like it's uh it did happen and apparently everyone hated it because she was carrying another stinky old cigar end basically <laughs> they sort were like
2: susan can you <laughs> nip that in the butt please? that's really it in the butt no it's
0: oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah very good yes yeah, that's yeah. True.
1: apparently <laughs> <laughs> i was reading listomania It does sounds like it was a bit of a just like beetle mania you know where it was just screaming girls and stuff like that but apparently the original term the mania was used in terms medically it was it wasn't just that people were just getting too excited they genuinely thought that this might be leading to medical conditions so if list came into town they'd be like you know we've got to get doctors ready we got I mean I'm right, making yeah. that up but <laughs> <laughs> to effect that's what the mania meant it right, was uh, right people know.
2: actually got ill yeah
1: exactly wow. I was thinking that um
3: his performance is a bit like um you two Andy and Rachel you do Ostentatious right mm. uh, which is an improvised Jane Austen play and his um concerts were quite a bit like that I was reading well It's a while <laughs> since I've seen you two live well, Right, I, right. Pa- pa- Poorly received <laughs> Well he um, he would like get what, a member of his audience To give him a little sort of motif A little theme And they might just go Do 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 Or something Maybe wow. not like the Nokia wow. theme <laughs> <laughs> And then he would spend the rest of the um, concert Just like doing the amazing bits That's That are using really? Yeah. That is
0: awesome. awesome He um he had a very interesting life. So he was a, he was a prodigy as a child mm. and he was hot housed by his dad. They
3: all were, were
0: None of these was like doodling around until they were 50. They were, yeah. But
3: it was kind of interesting just on that. I'll, we'll go back to that. But mm. um, like because mass market pianos had just come in and also the French Revolution mm. had just happened. So you had pianos were only played by posh people and they were really, really expensive and you could only get them if you were super posh. But then... Suddenly, just around the time of Mozart and then list after him, suddenly you could get cheap pianos. And that meant that children <laughs> could play it and children could practice it. And so you had these children coming up That's who were as good as the, you know, posh, you know and also all the
0: previous pianos were cheap if slightly <laughs> spattered with the blood of aristocrats
3: <laughs> who had been dragged away
0: <laughs> second hand on yeah. ebay yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some, somewhere um, but so yeah, so his his dad took him around um, his dad sort of worked him like a dog for years you know years his father died when franz was 15 and he he took pupils at, as a 15 year old prodigy and then had this incredible performing career until i think his late 30s maybe mm. And then step back because yeah. Yeah. He, he had a lover, a Countess oh, lover, hello. Who, um, who encouraged him to compose. She said, look, this performance is all well and good. He's making a lot of money. But, and he, he just kind of stepped back. He moved to Weimar and, um, and who, just started composing. Who what, was what, wow. the lover? Do you know? Was yes, it? she was called Countess. Uh, no, sorry, she was a princess. He was married to a countess, oh, and yeah. then traded up uh, to Princess Caroline von Sein-Wittgenstein. Anyway, she left her own marriage for him, and there was this whole thing about whether they could annul the marriage, so they could be her marriage, so they could be married, and the Pope agreed to it, and then he changed his mind. It was all it was a big old thing, but yes, yeah, so he so he took a really crap job uh, at, as a Kapellmeister at the court of Weimar, yeah. and he had to wear. Archaic clothes To perform in Oh wow Because he was a rock star And then he went and So it was a bit like Suddenly it's
2: like A music beef eater Or something
0: (laughs) I did think of Ostentatious a bit In that you're basically Dressing in stuff That was the height of fashion 200 years ago (laughs) Um, And the pay was so bad It only paid for his cigars that oh, was literally wow. all the, the but, awesome. we,
2: but we don't know how quality his cigars were to be fair yeah
3: <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. yeah he could have sold them on ebay afterwards <laughs> as well. um, he um, and C- Caroline de Wittenstein, Wittgenstein she was a Catholic princess wasn't she and mm. she got him into Catholicism and then he went on to try and become the Pope's personal <laughs> the Pope's. <laughs> try and become the Pope try to become the Pope hey <laughs> oh, my <laughs> good,
4: good luck to you <laughs> take a cigar uh,
3: he wanted to be the official composer to the Pope but he was Turned down. And the alleged story of why he was turned down is that apparently he was playing in the cloisters one day, and all the nuns in the nunnery ran to him and started kissing him and oh, like him oh, and stuff. stuff. And the Pope decided, well, if he's like that, if he's going to have that effect on women, <gasps> we're not going to have him as Bloody the official. Yeah. How
1: hot was this guy? I, think <laughs> yeah. I was just I think about to say, he must have been fit as. I think yeah. he was. I think he was, he was six foot two. We've established he had. Big old hands, like great, he was. Hair. Lovely great hair, lovely locks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, what think, a
0: body! Yeah, and he had a lo- he had a lot of mistresses in his life. He did. And mm. He did in later life take holy orders, but minor holy orders. He didn't become a full priest. I think maybe because it would have involved a vow of celibacy, and he was just he wasn't quite ready. <laughs> he just try. did it as
2: a hobby, like <laughs> embroidery <laughs> or... to meet the nuns. Basically, I
0: yeah. think might be the. <laughs>
1: well, here is a weird thing: in twenty eighteen, in Spain's Got Talent. I, he didn't. There was He, sh- <laughs> he
0: r- showed up. What the- Just one very big hand comes out <laughs> of the
2: Holding a cigar. Sma-
1: smashing pianos left and right. <laughs> bang! Bang no no he did not show up himself however he kind of did in a way because one of the competitors of that year was a guy called michael andreas who's supposedly the great great grandson of list really supposedly and he's said to be the son of not only list but of one of his prodigies List's prodigies who was called sophie mentor and sophie mentor was supposedly the best his favorite and she did have a kid but by all the accounts she had it with someone else but this guy is claiming that he is the great... Descended from both lines. Yeah, descended from both oh. lines. So he is not even picked like a mother that you can't trace it back to. So, so supposedly we have a descendant who's incredible, by the way. I've seen him play. He was a prodigy as well. He was a child prodigy. He was winning competitions since he was five years old. They're all prodigies. Are <laughs> you a prodigy,
0: Rachel? Because you, you're a classical pianist.
2: I am. Um, I don't think I was a prodigy. I, I did, <laughs> they I did all like, say that, though. I did know? like yeah. piano competitions when I was small. And, yeah, yeah. and I was teaching when I was 15
3: really yeah wow were you
0: teaching
2: <laughs> what i'm saying is you don't have to be a prodigy to teach at 15. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to be willing
3: <laughs> uh, were you teaching oh, smaller sure. children or were you teaching
0: yeah smaller adults. children
2: so i was like grade eight and i was teaching grade one that's so- really
3: impressive that cigar that you're smoking at the moment i like that, that after
2: <laughs> <laughs> i do think if you've got the willingness to practice and basic like strong musical aptitude and if you start young then you're going to be a child prodigy. And it sounds like oh, I'm Mark doing, it sounds like yeah, yeah, really wow. doing down. Like, wow. Bark wasn't that shit hot, but like, you know. That's um. so
1: interesting. Do your hours. <laughs> You'll get there. Do you guys know Lang Lang? Yeah. One of the big concerto players, piano players oh, yeah. of recent years, um, and he's, he's a global name. Um, he only got into... Playing piano. He was a child prodigy, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. He only got into it because he. I want to see
3: Rachel and has Got Talent. <laughs> a little kid comes <laughs> out oh, This again. Go
0: on.
1: Ch- child prodigy, it turns out, just means has a piano. Yeah. <laughs> and the time. Um, he was inspired hearing List's Hungarian Rhapsody Number 2 oh, yeah. by Tom from Tom and Jerry. And what? that's how he got into playing the piano. Oh, there was, uh... oh
2: I totally grew up watching that. I can yeah, really Yeah, it was called that. The
1: Cat Concerto, and it was Tom was playing piano, yeah, Jerry's on the that. inside, gets woken up, and they start having a fight. It's an amazing piece. Supposedly, a lot of piano players began their love watching yeah. this one cartoon it's of Tom amazing. and Jerry. It's amazing, and
2: then when you get older the, the piece, yeah, it's the Hungarian Rhapsody, which is already a phenomenal piece incredibly difficult to play. I can play the first few pages and then it gets to the really hard oh, bit yeah. and I'm like, no. But in the cartoon which I had on VHS, so I watched it over and over and over again <sighs> they mess with it, they pull it around and they go into like the can-can and they go into a little jazz bit in the middle of it That's and crazy. then return to the piece. So when I got older and I started playing it, I'd had, I had be like, oh Oh, the can-can doesn't happen here. <laughs> That's so weird. This bit doesn't turn into jazz. It's So confusing.
0: Um, I've got one other connection that List made in his life. Yeah. So we said before, List had big old hands, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's someone else he met who also had big hands. George Elliot. George Elliot. George Elliot. Oh. Right, should we have a running? fact on this podcast
1: yeah. that George Elliot had great big hands she had oh, one big hand one big hand she <laughs> could play Ratmanadouf right, but only the right hand <laughs> yeah. yeah. did she, she
2: have different size hands
1: yeah but we don't it's, it's, it's supposedly
0: yeah. she 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 was a dairy maid uh, in younger life and she churned the butter and that gave I milked, her one, the cows. I milked the cows and milked
3: the cows and this gave her one absolutely honking hulk fist oh wow uh, yeah. and if yeah. you look at pictures of her they never show her right hand Yeah, <laughs> they didn't have enough paint didn't have enough paint
0: um, but basically all big hands herself George Elliot big hand with, herself sorry big <laughs> In 1854, she visited um, List with her lover, George Lewis. They were fleeing scandal because um, he'd left his wife to be with yeah, yeah. female George Elliot. And uh, they made friends, they had coffee together. Imagine the conversations they would have had. Wow, high five. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is James.
3: Okay, my fact this week is that the downhill skiing at the Nagano Olympics in 1998 was postponed due to snow. For too too much? Too much. Too much. Too much snow. If you go on Encyclopedia Britannica about the Nagano Olympics, it says the most memorable aspect of the Nagano Games was arguably the weather. Oh, wow. It said um, it brought heavy snow and periods of freezing rain. There was even an earthquake. (laughs) An earthquake? (laughs) Yes. That's incredible. Where is is Nagano? It's in Japan. Oh.
0: Oh, Well, that's it's prone to earthquakes, isn't it? Yeah, you, you want to pick somewhere right in the middle of a tectonic plate if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. it
3: wasn't like a massive one. Oh, it okay. wasn't But everyone felt it who was there at the time. Whoa. Yeah.
0: If you were halfway through a ski jump, you'd be the only person who didn't feel it, mm. and you'd yes. land,
3: and everyone else would have fallen over all was... <laughs> Maybe the Earth moves to your advantage by that. about fifty meters, so <laughs> you broken the world record. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um but yeah, the l a Times um said um at the time they said we are seeing first hand the fundamental problem of the Winter Olympics. they are held during the winter, mm-hmm. yes <laughs> <laughs> Like Ski resorts, often they often have not enough snow, don't they? Or they say, oh, yeah. the, the snow they hasn't happened snow. or
0: it's fallen. Do you ever get the wrong kind of snow? Yeah. I feel like that's a...
2: Yeah, I've been dragged into the world of snow uh, by my <laughs> husband. Oh,
0: you walked through that wardrobe, didn't you? Yeah, then, that's yeah, it. nightmare.
2: That's it, yeah. yeah. Oh, what a nightmare. Um, my husband's a huge skier and snowboarder. Mm. Um, I am not, never skied before uh, meeting him and I get dragged to ski resorts oh, now wow. and I keep trying to learn to ski really painfully. But also, yeah, the cancellations for snow happen at ski resorts all the time. They're like, yeah, the slope's closed because of snow. (laughs) Um Yeah. Yeah. I think
3: that skiing is something that you should be a child prodigy at, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it's easier to learn when you're a child and you don't have the yeah. fear. I learned Fair. when I was in my 30s. Right. And I say learned. Yeah. I can't It really sounds ski. like we're at <laughs> <a semester. Yeah. laughs> yeah. It's the worst thing. I feel like
2: for me at the moment, skiing is simply trying to stop. Yes. It's yes. all it is. It's just, I'm in a deep plough all the way down. Mm. Why aren't I stopping?
0: <laughs> deep plough, what's
2: that? When you put your oh, skis a v- in a V shape. shape. Yeah, a yeah.
0: yeah. oh, yeah. oh. V like, I see.
1: Whenever I've gone skiing, I've mastered the going fast and the spinning and the, you know, not the spinning, sort of the sharp turns. <laughs> spinning, yeah. I've mastered the roly poly down the hill as well. <laughs> uh, but I've never mastered the sideways stop. So no oh, matter no. how cool yeah. I've looked, I've always had to go into the big V plow yeah. Yeah, angrily. Yeah. <laughs> Like Spider-Man trying to hold the train from falling off the track. Yeah, the that's end. a pretty
0: cool way of describing what you're doing. <laughs> no offence, Dan. I'm, I'm sure it looks that good no. when
3: you're doing it. Dad's going down doing his pizzas. He's got Spider-Man,
1: Spider-Man with great power.
0: Comes... Oh, yeah. Do you think Spider-Man's ever been skiing? Sorry, never not mind. <laughs> <laughs> but would he would he enjoy it? Spiders don't like the cold, do they? He's not a real spider. He's not a real man. <laughs> <laughs> He's neither. He's a freak. He's just a boy. I'm, I'm, I'm the only one who's never been skiing.
2: I'm surprised you've I was never been far. skiing. Why? Not because because you seem like someone who would have been skiing. Because you're posh. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's what we're, we're yeah. all we're dancing around. Like I think if people were to meet me and you, they mm. think I haven't been skiing and you have been skiing. I see. I but see. It, yeah, it yeah. just goes to show that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. People no.
3: would look at me and say he must be just eating pies and
2: drinking <laughs> blue Wicked
3: too much to be skiing. <laughs> what people? people look at me and see
0: what like polo and croquet i'm yeah. afraid so oh dear, <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> maybe you guys all know this and it's all really common so ski jumpers yeah. yeah they have to get uh as little friction on the bottom of the skis as possible because yep. i guess you get loads of ski so but they fast yeah and the are plasticky on the bottom and they drip hot wax onto it mm-hmm. and then they iron their skis cool. sometimes to oh, get the wax great. sort of distributed yeah and um all the ski <laughs> makers are really Secretive, they're like they're like competitive ski teams, they're really secretive about the ingredients of their wax. Mm. Oh, really? You know? Yeah, because they, and they have these, you know, like they give the bottles boring-looking labels or code names and all this. But the wax wears off, right, as you're going down. So that's yeah. a problem. And in 2007, a pair of chemists who were called Peter Styring and Alex Ruth, they developed. I love this skis which wax themselves, <gasps> self-waxing ski. Wow. So you pour. The liquid wax into a little reservoir, which is between your yeah, yeah. boot and so the skis. You're
3: doing a lot of the work. The skis aren't doing
0: it, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. but it's just then then it's there. So you've got oh, it like like an like, air. You know that so you've got a bubble beneath it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you're not allowed to have any means of power down there. But the the wax feeds into this little tube, which runs yeah. all the way along the ski surface. And as you go into a turn. You put pressure down, don't you? And it sort of parps a bit of the wax uh-huh. along the bottom oh, of the ski. Oh, yeah. That's clever. I don't know if it was allowed or banned or anything yeah,
1: like it feels, that. It, it, feels, feels like a...
3: it
2: feels super off the books. It does, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> the, the coldness of the Winter Olympics has, it is a problem. It's like a big problem for a lot of the events. Um, one of the early day things that happened, 1924 games, is that the guys who were having to use the stopwatches in order to monitor oh, how yeah. fast you were crossing the line, their hands just got too cold and so they were just getting it wrong all the time <laughs> wow. so there was actually a gold medalist uh who won who was called charles Jutral, who was an american who won his event despite being utterly perplexed by the fact that he'd managed it because he'd never ever trained for this event before. He came in thinking, I'm gonna come last of everyone. And he ended up winning it. He didn't even train for the event. He sort of just showed up and did it. are you telling us that the stopwatch didn't work? Exactly, the stopwatch (laughs) ran a bit too long. Oh, sorry, a bit too quick. The guy's hands were freezing and it was a big problem. So yeah. Did you hear about Remy
3: Lindholm in the Beijing Olympics quite recently? No. Uh, he did the fifty k uh, cross country ski and the third. Uh, well, it was fifty k, but it got shortened to thirty k because the weather was so bad. And at the very end, he needed a heat pack to treat his frostbitten penis. <gasps>
1: oh, no! Yeah, oh my apparently. God should have kept um, it in his trousers He were... <laughs> <laughs> forgot one of his poles so that was the <laughs> uh,
3: and the thing is this is the second time that that happened oh, to him no. in, in less than a year does he have an unusually frostbite prone penis <laughs> I wonder it feels like he must do there must be something there he, right, or maybe he's not
0: wearing a crucial thermal pant layer yeah. or something. none yeah. of his mates have told him yeah <laughs> t- What the, the thermal pants are available yeah. he's yeah. still going on one thin pair of M&S briefs <laughs> the, the article I read didn't presuppose what was going on yeah but. I think now it's happened a second time I think we are allowed to ask the question yeah, no, like, I agree. maybe
2: what? you're <laughs> prone to it once it's happened once oh yeah, oh, like that, oh, yeah. the tip never really recovers or something. <laughs> <Yes>. bloody hell <laughs> like it's that's just a, just a guess you just know. waiting to... I'm not an expert <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> anyway that was a thing that happened poor guy um, wow
2: <laughs> I've I found another uh, quite funny cancellation of oh, a sports yeah. event mm. in 2016, the Premier League match between Man U and Bournemouth. Sorry, I said Man U, that's Manchester United oh. for people who don't know. Um, and that's football. Mm. Uh, so um, American football. Uh, <laughs> no, okay, sorry. I knew you wouldn't know. Um, so, stick you to don't skiing. look like a football. Yeah.
0: <laughs> too busy, too busy teeing up for another chucker. <laughs> What? That's polo, polo time. Well, half of it
2: was. (laughs) (laughs) So they had to cancel the match at the very last minute when a suspicious item was found in the gents' loo at Old Trafford. But the suspicious item had been put there by the security firm that was monitoring for suspicious items. Oh, no. <laughs> so they'd done it as a as a testing, as a trial test Sorry, thing. So this is what a suspicious st- item looks like. Yeah, like yeah. like can Amazing. you see if you can find it? What's the drill? What will you do? But they accidentally left it there <laughs> and the match got cancelled. Wow That's
0: so funny. I wonder what it I wonder what it looked like. Probably yeah. had like wires coming out I really and like think yeah. of a big, big sort of black cartoon ball with, <laughs> yeah. with, 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 <laughs> with a, a fuse coming out and yeah. "bomb" written in white on the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, have you guys heard of the? This is an amazing thing. It was proposed in 2002. It was a British firm uh, called Snowdonia Gateway Limited. They wanted oh, yeah. to build a revolving ski slope. Okay. Okay. Uh, so what it would be? It would be 13 stories high. Yeah. And it would be kind of like a record player, but on an angle. Okay. If you can imagine yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. And you would start down the slope as the slope revolved and moved upwards okay now the incline was going to be 300 metres long but the plan was if you skied slowly enough and if it got up to its full
3: revolving speed Permanent skiing. I, oh, wow. But the, the speed that I ski, which is really, really yeah. slow like I'm going to be going backwards around that. You'd, never,
0: <laughs> you'd fall off the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: and they would generate permanent
0: fresh snow with snow guns. It's really clever. That's extraordinary. I, yeah, it never, so it never happened, sadly, as far as I can tell. Is it because it's completely impossible to build? <laughs> Weirdly, no. Oh, really? I think it was just too... Ambitious, an example of the thing. So the, these days, I think there is at least one rotating disc slope ski simulator it's in, in really? Europe. It's, I think it's somewhere like the Netherlands, but mm. it's quite small. It's not thirteen stories high and allowing yeah. you to, like a sort of ski giant mountain That's thing. That's so cool. It just sounds
1: so much fun. Wow, it sounds incredible. I can see the problem that if you were at a certain speed, you would just be stuck. Like you would have to be rescued. Right? Well, they
0: turn it, No, they can turn it. They can slow it. They can. Yeah. Turn you, it. At the <laughs> end of the day, like they're not going to stop it for
1: every middle. Speed skier, right? Like, no, it's, yeah,
0: no, yeah, yeah, you have might, to get it down eventually.
3: It might be like the waltzes that you just have one go and then you have to come off and other people go on. Oh, Imagine yeah. the poor guy, poor guy, right? It's have oh, frostbitten penis twice. <laughs> I'm just gonna
0: have one more speed and have a nice time.
4: Oh no! I'm never coming
1: off! <laughs> okay, it is time for fact number three, and that is Andy.
0: My fact is that the 18th century health writer William Buchan told his readers that anyone suffering from persistent deafness might benefit from pouring their own urine into their ears
3: each night. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. I'm just looking at my notes because I paraphrased what you'd said to us. And I've written, in 1772, William Buchan told people to piss in their own ears. Wow. Well, <laughs> so, pretty, he
2: pretty much Pretty pissed. much, right? Can I just say, it does seem possible that the first person who heard this advice simply misheard
4: oh yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. they are deaf
2: did they say you know I know a guy in Turin, or <laughs> do you want some tea I'm pouring <laughs> Um, <laughs> Are they a reliable source as well? Right, yeah, it's yeah.
0: Cool. Well, William Bucken was this writer. He wrote this book called Domestic Medicine, which was basically the be-all and end-all of health advice in the 18th century. He was a proper doctor, and he was, I think he was actually pretty good, as in he wasn't a quack, he was, yeah. you know, he yeah. was really trying. And uh, it had chapters on absolutely everything under the sun. One of the chapters is on deafness, and he writes... A gentleman, on whose veracity I can depend, told me that after using many things to no purpose for an obstinate deafness, he was at last advised to put a few drops of his own urine, warm, into his ears every night and morning, from which he received great benefit. Okay. Okay. He does say you could also use a salt solution. Would it work? <laughs>
3: Would it work? Like, would let's say work? you've got wax in your ears. Would yeah. it moisten them? Perhaps. I think it might do. You'd need phenomenal aim. That's the problem. <laughs> that's
0: the. <Yeah. laughs> that's a, you know. It's
1: a few drops. That's, that's a good detail that I didn't know when yeah. I tried it earlier this morning. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that would have been very helpful.
1: But he also had advice in the book for putting onions, onion juice in your ear in I order to, yeah, do in do order to help with. So deafness. is it just
2: a sort of like any liquid that has some kind of I don't know acidic property mm. or this something? Is, well, this is
1: this is the thoughts like is that earache will eventually go and the thought is is that maybe what it was was a sort of pseudo thing where it was just making it feel a bit bearable and then you mistaken the fact that it that it happens because people still parents there's blogs all over on those mum blogs <laughs> people pissing at the no the using onions using <laughs> onions there's <laughs> no, a community Andy
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> they, um, that book by the way Domestic Medicine there is an argument that it might not have been written by William Buchan mm. and might have been written by friend of the show Willie Smelly
1: Willie Smelly Oh. Yeah, who's the original gynecologist.
3: Oh, the, the original um, midwife. 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 Not that Willy Smelly. The <gasps> other Willy <The> Smelly. Encyclopedia, <laughs> the, encyclopedia. <laughs> the, encyclopedia. <laughs> the first editor. Yeah. So there are two famous <laughs> Willy wow. Smellies um, from the 19th century, and um and the 18th century. One of them. And this one, according to Smelly's son, who's called Curse Smelly, <laughs> <laughs> he said that um, Willy Smelly might have entirely rewritten his original draft. So Bucken handed in his draft, and then Smelly sort of put all of his own bits in. So it could be that his was normal and then Smelly added the urea Sex, stuff. I wouldn't want
1: Willie Smelly's urine in my ears, got to say. <laughs> <laughs> also, the interesting thing about this book is that it was sort of a sort of equivalent to what I'm trying to say would be a magician releasing all of the trade secrets of how to do tricks. Right. Because doctors at the time didn't uh, want yeah. patients to know this kind of thing. They actually looked down on this book oh, saying you shouldn't be giving this information out to the patients. This is what we do. and so. So he kind of put it all into a might book, you really put stuff. like
3: just one bit of advice in there that was wrong to try and trick people into
2: you
3: know or a like, bit like
2: those spoiler in like internet spoiler things it's like uh, mm. no, step one is this but for more <laughs> contact your doctor yeah,
4: yeah. Oh.
0: <laughs> he, wrote a, he wrote a lot of um medical advice William Buchan Uh, he wrote this book called Advice to Mothers which again like quite democratising of becoming a parent oh god
2: I'm strapping in for this he wrote well
0: (laughs) he wrote to mothers that uh, and I'm quoting here in all cases of dwarfishness or deformity 99 out of 100 are owing to the folly misconduct or neglect of mothers wow yeah which was I'm sure science at the time but uh...
2: (laughs) it's just it's just nice (laughs) For mothers to feel more guilt than they really do. There isn't enough going around. Yeah,
0: I think mothers didn't feel bad until he really advanced the form like yeah. that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He was. It was an amazing guy. Like he started young. He was. Um. He was a child prodigy. Actually. He <laughs> was
0: when he was, he was going around pissing at other children's <laughs> Like
1: I do.
2: We're joking about this, but I do feel like as it goes on, this is proving my point. Yeah. It's yeah. just like anyone who's like excels at anything probably excelled as a child. Yeah, it's <laughs> true.
1: Yeah. No, he supposedly was the amateur doctor to the village when he was still at school. So he was. He was oh, so that's so annoying. No, it's not. You'd, you'd think, be so. You'd be so annoyed by him. Would not yeah. you? The baby doctor. Not yeah. if he was helping you.
2: No, you would be. Annoyed really
1: especially if he's helping you what doctors have to put up with particularly baby (laughs) doctors (laughs) (laughs) it sounds imagine
2: imagine a 12 year old boy coming to you when you're pregnant going oh it's (laughs) your fault (laughs) 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 you haven't been behaving right
1: you know one of the things that uh bucken suggested that when you um if you burnt yourself Mm. the cure was to hold it back near a fire what? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I did read that. I hold it quite what? near the yeah, yeah. There, was, uh, there was a few other things, like you should put salt on it. and you know, you know, Salt? Can...
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it's
0: suck.
1: like the old saying
0: goes, rub salt in, in the, the
2: wound. wound. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's a winner. Yeah. It does sound Fight, like he was like fire. a child doctor, but he didn't go on to learn anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Just left it at the knowledge he had at 12.
3: Uh, um, one of the earliest records um, for treating hearing loss Um, is from the ebers papyrus which is an old ancient egyptian papyrus Uh, and that's specifically for wax build up and they suggest that you put olive oil red lead ant eggs bat wings or goat urine into your ears oh right. so okay. they do go for oh. the urine quite oh. early and also olive oil you use that now olive oil for um yeah. blocked ears yeah, yeah do yeah. you
1: hang the bat wings out like a <laughs> 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 they
0: <look> like... <laughs> they're literally flapping out your ears um rachel you've just written a book of advice effect- effectively based <laughs> yes. on the on advice from strangers correct is, is there any honkingly bad advice that you Um, received because I saw some of the gigs where you collected advice yeah
2: correct well some of it I just really didn't agree with some of it was very very individual like acquire (laughs) as many guinea pigs as possible happiness is bound to follow which I really profound as a previous owner of a guinea pig I don't think that's true I don't think they improve in large numbers
0: yes we didn't try no, that's true. You only true. have one. You didn't pass through the threshold, which is nine.
3: Yeah. <laughs> In Peru, they eat guinea pigs, don't they? So if it was a Peruvian person, it might be just a way of you know yeah. stocking up before lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give a man, give a man
0: a guinea pig, and yeah. he'll eat for a day. Give a man two guinea pigs, as
3: long as one is male and one's female,
0: and they're both of the right age, yeah, and yeah. the sort of yeah. yeah, and they fancy and this, each other, and this consent, yeah, 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 yeah. consent, yeah. and he'll
2: eat for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> I also uh I enjoyed and really disagree with the advice that was given um smile whenever possible which I think is a very old school idea of like just whack a smile on no matter what you're feeling and it made me think of all those songs of like smile when your heart is breaking Mm. smile when your heart is breaking (laughs) (laughs) put on a happy smile you know um like all the wartime songs about smiling through yeah, the war, smiling yeah. through loss, smiling through tragedy, smiling through heartbreak, which was a very of the 20th century. It was very keep calm and carry on. Bottle it in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Don't let your smile ruin my day.
0: Bottle uh, it up. Pour a few drops into your ears <laughs> each night and morning. Uh, uh,
2: so yes, I, I did not agree with that <laughs> advice, but it's, it's quite common advice. It's still given.
1: Mm. Yeah. Do you know the first agony aunt was? No. So far as we know? No, I don't know.
2: Uh, oh, uh, 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 Clara.
1: Pliny the Elder. Oh. No, okay. So <laughs> uh, I, I would say this is, uh, James is closer in time, uh, possibly, the 1600s. Uh, yes, it's, it's, probably, it's probably <laughs> really in <laughs> the uh, In 1691, there was a guy called John Dunton, and he had an experience where he was having an affair. He needed oh, yeah. some advice anonymously but there was nowhere to ask. And so rather than thinking, I'll just leave that, he thought, wow, what if there was a place I could ask? And so he invented an entire magazine, the Athenian Gazette, which its job was basically to just answer questions. So members of the public would just send in their questions and everyone on staff would write answers to. Um, and that is sort of like the modern version of the agony art yeah, There's yeah. probably examples of things like the Oracle of Delphi and you know all <laughs> oh, yeah. that sort of thing. the original agony art yeah. um, so he this Athenian
0: the Athenian Gazette or yeah. Athenian Mercury it was also called it was supposedly this group of a dozen of the best astrologers and mathematicians and philosophers in the whole of London right and scholars and all this actually it was just him uh, and his brother-in-law and two other blokes and they were the, like they were complete amateurs and they didn't know anything but people loved writing in the questions. So um, the questions included, what is the cause of suction? Oh, oh, good yeah. question. Oh. This um, is a, about love
3: and relationships, <laughs> is it? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um,
0: why do Scotchmen hate swine's flesh? <laughs> like, good questions. Um, that's a good question. I really like this one. If I'm thinking of committing any great and enormous crime and sin as adultery, but do not personally and actually commit
3: it, am i guilty of the crime and sin that's a great question wow. wow
2: i mean question. that's given to agony aunts today
3: yeah that's true here's a couple more oh yeah why does love generally turn to coldness and neglect after marriage
2: oh, <laughs> 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 <Bloody hell.
4: laughs>
3: i didn't write it polina if you're listening i'm just reading it
0: they, they did, it was a bit QI-ish actually. So yeah. one of them was: Why should the putting of a man's hand in cold water occasion a sudden emission of urine?
3: Oh mm. yeah, we have done that. Do yeah. that. Yeah,
0: and they said, and I have done that in life. <laughs> and they said it's not true. They said they pointed out it's yeah. a yeah. vulgar error. They said it's uh, what? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> wait a it second. was a coincidence then <laughs> that you pissed yourself. Yeah. Off. yeah, we
2: we did that to our baby last week. Um, <laughs> 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 wait, wait. So he had a fever. We were in hospital doing yeah. some checks and they said to check for a urine infection, we really need a urine sample. Mm. And obviously ah. it's a baby. You can't just make him wee. And he was a bit dehydrated from the fever. So he was weeing not very yeah. often. So they gave us like a test tube with a funnel and they said, you've just got to sit here
4: oh and God. wait for
2: him to wee wow. and be ready to leap into action. So bless him. I was just for like a good hour and a half. He was just sitting there with, like, my husband holding him up. Me, like, staring at his winky, <laughs> waiting, <laughs> waiting to leap for the wee. Uh, and we were, it got to, like, an hour. I, and we were I, like, I don't oh think my we God. should
3: blame parents, but he does have a complex when he grows up.
2: Me just staring at it, shaking a little tube. <laughs> and at the end, we were like, what about that thing of, like, if you put your hand or your foot yeah. in water, mm-hmm. then it will make you We So we tried it. So we got one of those cardboard um, bucket things that oh, they yeah, have in hospitals yeah. yes. and we filled uh, yeah. it with warm water and we put his feet in it and it didn't work initially <laughs> <laughs> but about two minutes after he'd stopped having his feet in water he did then we oh. um, but again it's probably a coincidence yeah, no, <laughs> Well, we knows?
3: don't. Know. that's
0: science yeah maybe it's taking your feet out of warm water that makes yeah, you do that maybe. yeah but yeah. people don't normally go to sleep in a swimming pool so we don't know that we don't know yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, one other interesting notable name from this period who was into agony aunting um, slash uncleing was Daniel <laughs> Defoe, oh. uh, yeah. author of Robinson Crusoe, and yeah, he would he would d- reply to members of the public, and interestingly, you know, a lot of these replies were sometimes really crude. So in one in one reply to someone, he actually called someone, even though he sort of blanked out the full spelling of it, but he um, he called someone a whore. You know, he he basically disagreed with what she was trying to ask in terms of illicit sexual stuff and he said, You're a whore. I mean it was really quite crude back then. Terrible.
2: Just going back to deafness. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I got I got very into this woman called Jaipreet Verdi has written a book about historical cures for deafness Um, and it's also about the concept of deafness needing a cure Mm. Uh, it's very interesting Uh, but she talks about ear trumpets you know like do you remember in Allo Allo (laughs) the ear trumpet the sort of comedy item that is the ear trumpet but in Victorian times they would be Uh, Customised. So a lady, uh, say in mourning. That the example they've got in a museum is it's been painted black and trimmed with lace. That's That's her outfit. And at first, historians thought you know this was a sign of like she had to hide it, you know, to be discreet because it was an Mm. embarrassing thing to have. But actually, this author is making the point that. How cool! It's really sort of owning your deafness, yeah. and it's customising what you need. It's sort of the equivalent of like you know pimping out your walking stick or signing a cast in a yeah. way. Pimpin- Surely
0: it's pimping up, isn't it? Not pimping out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> pimping out your walking stick. It's you sort different... of put it put it in the street with a little sign.
2: And Daniel Defoe calls it a whore. <laughs>
1: Okay, it is time for our final fact of the show, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that a tourist guide in Whitby got so tired of being asked where Dracula was buried that he commissioned a headstone just so that he could point at it instead of explaining that Dracula wasn't real. (laughs) Um, So this is apparently, it's a big problem in Whitby. Whitby is one of the great scenes of Dracula when Dracula makes his way over to England, and it is where Bram Stoker spent a few months where he went looking around and he incorporated a lot of the landscapes a lot of the churches even some of the names from the gravestones into the story Uh, and the issue is that when visitors come a lot of them don't actually realize that Dracula doesn't exist so one particular guy Harry Collett uh, who's a tour guide and he does tours around Whitby about Dracula so sick of being asked this question he did get one commissioned a headstone which he can just point to as they're on the track and say look that's where he's buried do you think maybe he should give up his job as a
3: tour guide if he's sick of people asking him questions about Dracula (laughs)
1: yeah well I guess I guess that is a very very good point hang
0: on what does the headstone say does it say Dracula's here or does it say Dracula's not real
1: no it's it's it's, it it says Dracula and then I guess the dates of Dracula on it that's a great
3: idea for your headstone isn't it when eventually you die it's like here lies James Harkin yeah. Of course he wasn't real <laughs> Yeah, but because there... I, thought, I thought he was just trying to Because the church
0: has put a sign on its door Saying Dracula's a fictional character exactly. So I thought he might be doing that Because actually oh, right. If someone tries to dig up Dracula They'll find ooh, There's nobody there It's only going to
1: add fuel to the fire That's <laughs> true Yeah this church This St Mary's church This is the church that appears in the book um, They constantly have people Coming to the church Who are Dracula fans Asking about Dracula Apparently the pews Are just quite often filled with goths Who are sitting there just enjoying the scene. Well, it's Gothsville. Yeah, it is Whitby Gothsville. Whitby is,
0: they have a twice annual, in fact, they have four goth festivals a year, right? So they've got um, the Whitby Goth Weekend, which has been going since the 90s. And then in 2019, a rival event was set up called Tomorrow's Ghosts. Uh, there was a spooky schism in the Whitby Goth Weekend event. The, the founder had set it up and there was a parting of ways with a venue. Oh, yeah. And so now, there's a rival festival this year called Tomorrow's Ghosts. On the, and I read their website about this year's autumn festival it says this our headliners for 2022 are fields of the nephilim who take the friday night headline slot and really need little introduction okay. topping the bill on saturday night are the loveless who need some introduction
2: <laughs> <laughs> they actually put that yeah. that's yeah. really
1: good <laughs> <laughs> uh. it's got a cool quite gothic-y heritage this whole area yeah, anyway not just, not just Dracula just, yeah, like not just a bit Dracula. of everything
2: I mean St Hilda was Whitby wasn't she yes. I think St Hilda was abbess of Whitby Did she, like, drive the snakes out of Whitby or something? That's a
3: story.
0: (laughs)
2: That's a story.
0: (laughs) Well, she turned them to stone.
2: Is that not
3: that's driving them out in a way yeah, yeah. you're making it harder to drive them out you're making them heavier if anything. yeah but they're less likely to bite you if they're made of stone
2: is that what the ammonite stones are all about that's Weird. what they
0: call them the snake stones of Whitby oh. and they're ammonites they're ammonites but they they and some people would uh, carve little heads on to
3: make so to like, them. so ammonite is like a little fossil that looks a bit like a sh- snake right yeah yeah. especially if you draw a face <laughs> on them <it. laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, oh. um, yeah and she was um, she started a monastery which is on the uh, spot where this place you were talking about, Saint Mary's, Mary's was it? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, she um, resolved the date of Easter. She? Yeah, well, she was part of the team who did that. Okay. Um, it, there was the Synod of Whitby in six six four A. D. Uh, where they all got together in Whitby and decided when we should have Easter because some people were doing it in the Celtic time and some people were doing it in the Roman time. And yeah, yeah. Um, we thought, let's move down to the Roman time. So she was probably still alive in 666 AD. She Ooh. was, actually. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she was like a teacher as well. Um, she taught Cadmon, um, who was the first English poet that we know the name of. Okay. She was his teacher. So the cool. question,
1: though, that we're all asking... Was she a child prodigy, James? <laughs> <laughs> I know not. I went right, to
2: St Hilda's College. Did you? Yes. Oh, and then oh. they have a little ammonite on their shield.
3: Do they? Wow. That?
2: Nice. That's yeah.
3: cool. I think
0: that's called that species is called hildoceras Really? It was named in honour oh, of her cool. because it was found in
1: that area. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There's a um, there's a really cool set of stairs in Whitby. Uh, yeah, um, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sound pretty spooky. <laughs> as you as you head up to St Mary's Church, uh, it's 199 steps to get to That's the top. That's in Dracula, isn't it? That's yes. mentioned in Dracula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you're going up them, there's little rest points, little Ooh, <laughs> benches. benches. Uh, yeah. So you sit on this bench and you think you're sitting on a regular bench, but actually it's not a regular bench. It's not a no, it's not a possessed bench either. <laughs> It's. Uh, it wasn't built by Yetis. It was because the graveyard with St. Mary's Church was at the top. Yeah. You had all the pallbearers who were having to carry up all of the dead bodies to get to the church. And it's a very tiring business. So what's now used as seats, these planks of wood, were actually pit stops to put the dead bodies on oh. so that they could get rest. Is spooky. Get spooky. It is, is spooky. spooky. That is spooky. The dead men's... Benches. Benches. <laughs> Uh, another thing
3: about Whitby is, if oh, yeah. you go to Saltwick Nab, which is just south of Whitby, you'll see where the cliffs are. There's huge chunks taken out of the cliffs, and that's because they tried to get alum, uh, which is a, t- a thing you get in shale. It's type of rock, mm-hmm. and it's really useful because you could bind colours to cloth by using it. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work on its own. You needed ammonia as well, and the way they got their ammonia was from stale urine.
2: Ah, urine again. Urine
3: again. Mm. We come back to urine. (laughs) And so um, in Whitby, they used to have barrels where you would go and wee into the barrel. And then they would take the wee to the alum mines and then they would colour their cloths. And did they have a little
0: trough of warm water that you could stand in if you were struggling to get yourself going?
1: (laughs) Um, At what point does urine go stale? I've never thought about that. Well, I would say if you don't
3: drink it straight from the sauce.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you can put it in a cup
3: first. You know, you it's straight from the <laughs> top. point is, and I think we mentioned this in a quite recent podcast, uh-huh. is ammonia isn't naturally in urine, and ammonia is made by bacteria. Uh, urine is generally more or less sterile, so you get your urine. The bacteria comes from the air, goes into the urine, makes ammonia, and that's when it becomes mm, stale. Yeah. So it takes a you know a yeah. couple of hours. Have you ever
2: if... um, forgotten to flush a toilet and then gone on holiday? <laughs> and wow. then come back <laughs> no. that's when it's stale okay. oh my yeah. god
0: blimey but Dan if you're bottling it correctly with sterilised bottles it lasts years yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay. she's uh, got
2: to visit Andy's urine distillery yeah 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 yeah. So,
0: keep it out of the sunlight yeah. um, whack a label on it Just bringing them on yeah. the plane And for my ears actually <laughs> you have to bring
3: so many under 100ml bottles yeah. there that's the really annoying thing anyway this urine they, um, they couldn't get enough in Whitby So they ended up putting barrels in Newcastle and London to get enough urine. That's a long way away. There's a lot of piss, isn't it? Yeah, from a long distance. Yeah. Um, Well, there's a lot of people in London, so that was one reason why they went there. And they always tried to get the urine from poor people. So they put barrels in the poor areas and they would want poor people's piss. Why? uh, Because it was alliterative. No, why do you think? (laughs) Like, why do you think it was?
0: Um, Something about poor people's diet or or consumption of
3: alcohol? Because
0: Got it. really oh. got, got
2: it. Did they want it they wanted it to be more
3: No, they thought that the poor people wouldn't be able to afford alcohol and mm. so they didn't want alcohol in the urine because they thought it wouldn't set the colors properly, with oh. the Alcohol. Um do you know
0: where Dracula was from?
3: No. He was from Transylvania.
0: Well, exactly. But there is a minority theory that he was from Devon. Um, (laughs) Is
2: this theory put forward by Devon?
0: There's a a writer called Andy Struthers who claims that Bram Stoker was inspired by a load of different things, right? But he claims there was especially an Exeter writer called Sabine Baring Gould, I think I'm saying it right, who'd written a book about werewolves, which Bram Stoker read, uh, and a vampire story called Marjorie of Quether and was therefore claiming that Dracula was effectively from Devon oh. which I think would make him less spooky yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm going to drink your blood <laughs> <laughs> Do <right>. you mind <laughs> All right my lover
0: <laughs> um yeah but the his descendant Dacre Stoker Bram Stoker's descendant yeah. said it's, it's there's a mix of sources actually you can't yeah. just say yeah. from Devon Well yeah.
3: one of the sources was about Dracul wasn't it Vlad the Impaler mm. who was from Transylvania was yeah. he, or Wallachia, yeah. or somewhere like that yeah, in Romania, dear. anyway.
1: And he supposedly read about this guy while he was in Whitby. So mm. he went down to what was the coffee house end um, and the public library there. He found the book there, and that's oh. what gave the inspirations. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, as you say, there's a lot of different well, accounts. He, he was
0: already working on a novel, but it was about a character he called Count
1: Vampire, which, <laughs>
0: which is, <laughs>
1: sounds like a camp vampire, doesn't right? it? <laughs> yeah, I thought. I thought that was the original. Vampire was the original Germanic. Yeah. Still sounds stupid, though. Okay, cool, sorry. (laughs) I am a vampire.
2: (laughs) Or rather, I am a vampire.
3: (laughs) Uh, I've been to Dracula's castle. Have you? Actually, yeah. In fact, I've been to both of them. There's one which is real and one of them which is fake. Uh, the one which is fake is called Bran Castle, and that looks really gothic. It looks amazing. It looks like it could be his castle, but it really isn't. <laughs> uh, and there's another one which was his actual castle, which is about 100 miles away, and that is just a you know, it's a semi detached house. <laughs> <laughs> I said it was like
2: Vlad the Impaler's.
3: Yeah, but it's just like ruins, really. And they have a few stakes with with dolls on them, <laughs> like
2: hey, they? Right. Yeah, they do. <laughs> nice.
3: But in the Bran Castle it's way better because they've got a proper, you know gift shop. Yeah. <laughs> Bran Castle, they've really made big on the publicity, haven't they? Uh, yeah, so yeah. so last year, the
0: Bran Castle got a bit of publicity because they offered free doses of the COVID-19 jabs. What? Yeah, right. uh, with doctors wearing fang stickers. And they yeah. put it in your neck.
3: No, they didn't put it in your <laughs> neck. Interesting fact, I was in Bran um, mm. on the day of the Brexit referendum. Oh.
4: Ooh. Ooh.
3: you're gonna have a spooky loss of trade
1: (laughs) okay that's it that's all of our facts thank you so much for listening if you'd like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said over the course of this podcast we can be found on our twitter accounts i'm on at shriberland andy at andrew hunter m james at james harkin and rachel
2: at rachel paris
1: and you can go to our group account, which is at no such thing or our website, no such thing as a fish All the previous episodes are up there. Do check it out. We will be back again next week with another episode. We will see you then. Goodbye.